The late drummer Eddie Locke enjoyed a long career playing with many of the biggest names in jazz. Eddie encouraged me in the early years of my own career, and I was fortunate to talk with him before he passed away about his friendship with Joe Jones, his long associations with Coleman Hawkins and Roy Eldridge, and the lessons he learned from these musicians about respecting the music and how it's presented. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Eddie admired drummers who focused on their role in a band rather than their own showboating. The early drummers that I admired and when I started listening to jazz, the drummer really did that more than they do it now. Mm. Drummers don't do the, the job that the drums are supposed to do in jazz today. And I that's think that's one of the big reasons why jazz is not as popular as it used to be. Because the drummer was the very key thing to the people feeling the music. Oh, that's interesting. So you think it isn't as popular because the feeling isn't Gone. as solid? Yeah. They, they're thinking about so much mu- more mu- but they think they have more musicianships than those musicians did, but they don't. They just, that's just an illusion oh, that they have. Oh, that's interesting. So what are the drummers thinking about now? Oh, they, they're thinking about playing the melody <laughs> instead oh, of keeping funny. the time. <laughs> that's so interesting. And uh, so, so consequently, it doesn't, you don't have that many good rhythm sections Mm. Which makes the music sound good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they love Charlie Parker, but Charlie Parker had great rhythm sections playing behind him when he would make that music. That was a big difference. The drummers weren't playing like they are today behind modern music when when Charlie Parker was playing. We couldn't have done what he's doing without a great rhythm section, right? But I mean, the, the, for the people to feel the music—that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have felt free to go off and do what he was doing. I wouldn't think. Absolutely. I mean, all those bands. If you have any any band, big band from the old from the early school, if you, the drummer was very important. That's all the bands that were great that everybody loved. All had great drummers. You can name count any any one of those big bands, mm. and every one of them had a real really great drummer.
Sonny Payne on drums with the Count Basie Orchestra. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with drummer Eddie Locke. Jazz came from dance bands. Everybody knows that. That follows jazz. It didn't come from playing in clubs like they do now. Mm, mm. So the drummer, that was really his job, to make the people dance. And it should still be that. I think so, too. I'm glad to hear you say this as somebody who actually grew up with the music and has been at it longer than I. Yeah, I mean, it's really, uh, it's really amazing that, 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 you know, everybody says, what's wrong with jazz? But they say everything but the thing they should be saying. <laughs> When's the first time you remember hearing jazz? How old were you? Well, see, that's another thing. You know, I teach also. Mm-hmm. And I did a master class up at the Manhattan School of Music last year. And he didn't want me to play. He just wanted me to talk about just what you asked me. Because now the, now the people that play, he, of course, it wasn't just for drummers. It was for all instrumentalists that's mm-hmm. trying to learn how to play jazz. Everybody's forgot what their role is. Well, so talk it, about that. What would, if you well, were talking? The trio is just like a big band. That's the closest thing to a big band. A lot of people think it was a horn, but a trio is closer to a big band mm. than, horn, than a quartet or a quintet. Mm-hmm. But the drummer has to play the time. Any great trio you ever heard, the drummer was playing good time. Mm-hmm. drummer was to keep the beat and the other stuff was just like gravy you know the solos and all of that stuff and most of the drummers today can't really play a good drum solo mm. they don't play good drum solos like the drummers the earlier drummers do why is that they, they play a lot of things and they play a hit this and they hit that but they don't play a drum solo you listen to early drummers play drum solos and they completely it's a great example of them that a new record that just came out that had never been out before with Charlie Parker and Dizzy at the Town Hall from 1945, I think. On that, Max Roach is the drummer, Al Hague, the piano player, and uh, uh, 
think Curly Russell was the bass player. But in this, on this, it was a live concert. Sid Catlett comes over to play one number. It's all live. They're talking about all this stuff. And when he came, and when he played a drum solo, they couldn't even bring Max Roach back to the drums. The sound of the drums has even changed since those drummers were not around. 
Do you think they're not keying in on the it's different sound, it's sounds a sound. that they can get? It's a sound them. of the whole drum set. It's not a sound of each individual. You hear this, and you hear the cymbal over here, and the guys do this, and they hit the bass drum, and you know. But when the drums drummers played, it was one sound that came at you, like just like the other musical instruments, almost. Right. We'll talk about that. We started to talk about the first time that you heard jazz. Growing up with jazz, do you remember well, that's specifically? Another, that's a, yes, I do. But I bet that's another thing that I, t- I tell a lot of people when I hear. Uh, when people always assume that someone is playing jazz because of something he heard. Mm-hmm. But when I started playing the drums, I never heard had heard any jazz. I just liked the drums, and I know a lot of great musicians. They just love the instrument, right? They didn't take it up because they wanted to play jazz or rock or hillbilly. Or I just liked the instrument. I mean, the drum. Mm-hmm. I saw the drums in a window of a music store when I was a little bitty boy with my mother. And I just kept asking her that I told her I wanted a drum set. And she got me a toy one first when I was about seven years old. I love that. See, a and lot of moms got, won't let you play drums. And then I got a real one, one on my 13th birthday. She bought me a real drum set. And she was poor. Aww. No, but she was, it was an amazing thing that she had that much instinct to do it. And everyone told her, don't do it in the neighborhood. And I lived in the neighborhood. I'm not from New York. From Detroit, of course. Right. And um, the people in the neighborhood, nobody didn't want nobody to be no musician. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not a drummer. Well, they didn't talk about, no, they didn't even talk about music, I mean, being a musician like they do today, you know, about, it was like, it was nothing to look up to. <laughs> right, right. And you it should wasn't. talk about that. People don't realize that. I think I people think that this is, people romanticize. <laughs> they romanticize. You can believe that. And I know that, and you know that. And especially for me, people will say, well, why did you want to be a jazz musician? I didn't even know I was a jazz musician. I was just well, playing some I was music. Just, I just played the drums. And then, and then I mean, that, that jazz part didn't evolve until I was way, much older. Oh, that's interesting. What kind of music were blues. you playing? Blues. We played blues, man. Yeah. And when I was a kid, that's well, all. Well, in Detroit. You couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't work unless you did play that when I was coming up. And not only me, but a lot of people from my generation and right. before me. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to uh, entertain the people. Well, that's something that's somewhat lost, too. You know, well, yeah, Tommy Flanagan was a, was a boogie-woogie man. <laughs> and that's what was Barry Harris, both of them. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, that, that's what's wrong with the, you know, the concept. That's what I was talking about before. The concept of what you do is very important of why you do it, how you do it. Mm. When you have a concept of it that you... I, I never played this music because I thought I was going to be famous or I thought I was going to make a record or, or be on TV. I played the drums because I loved them. Thank you. 
guest drummer Eddie Locke with the Coleman Hawkins Quartet with Tommy Flanagan on piano and Major Holly bass. Something that I had wanted to ask you, because you were present the first time I ever sat in in New York. That's right. When I still lived in L.A., and I was so supported by you and by Roy Eldridge and by Tommy Flanagan and that's these right. different people. Those, that's right. It's always like that. It's always the people that really have, really are the true people mm. that always treat you nice and the people that pick the pretenders. You always have the worst problems with the pretenders. No, well, and absolutely. I mean, I'm me too. I've, 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 I mean, those guys like Roy Eldridge and Coleman Hawkins and Buster Bailey and Henry Red Allen, I played... All of these guys were so nice to me. Mm. And they were really great. And Gene Krupa. Mm. He was the nicest human being. I, one of the nicest we ever met. And he was, a, he was the real star. He's the only star ever been in jazz, a real star. I like that. Have you ever heard that, that they say that it was the only time that the person played the real person in the movie wasn't as good looking as the real person? <laughs> but he was a star. Because he, <laughs> he was a, so handsome. He was a real star. Yeah.
Gene Krupa with Roy Eldridge on trumpet and Anita O'Day on vocal on a 1956 recording of Drummin' Man. Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. For a discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about my music and what I'm doing, visit my website at judycarmichael.com. My guest is jazz drummer Eddie Locke. I have a letter that Corwin Hawkins' family gave me about his 100th birthday year. We did a big thing up at Columbia. They gave me a letter that Sonny Rollins had wrote, wrote Coleman in like 1961. Mm. Three pages. It's one of the most beautiful things you could ever read. It almost make you cry. Mm. How someone admired. And he was already doing very well by then, Sonny Rollins. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. But he still had this admiration for this man that was, and, th- and that's, that's part of the right he plays so well. Right, right. The humility. No, and well, that's certainly um, lacking in a lot of people That's what I'm saying. Today. I mean, you know, he, tr- <laughs> but I knew that happened. I mean, I didn't have to read the letter because he was always around Coleman Hawkins when I was playing with him. Mm-hmm. And talk about that playing with Coleman Hawkins. You brought me something wonderful. So I brought you something. That was like, that was one of the, um, you know, sometimes they say it's not better to be lucky than be good. <laughs> but it was, I mean, that to be for me, this young man, Kenny Washington, always says, man, I got to do an interview with you still. He said, because I want to find out. You see, you should have been with all the beboppers, and you wound up with all of the guys like Coleman Hawkins and Roy Eldridge. He said, I, I said, I don't know how it really happened myself, but I said, I'm so glad it happened that way. That's so nice. Oh, yeah. Because I learned more than just about playing music. I learned the whole thing about being a human being and living. Which is what's most important. That's why I'm still here. Yeah. Thank you. 
My guest, drummer Eddie Locke, with the Coleman Hawkins Quartet with Tommy Flanagan on piano and Major Holly on bass. Eddie talked with me about his greatest inspiration, Joe Jones. Well, everybody has their Joe Jones stories, and he's a great character in that when people ever mention Joe Jones, and I've noticed this because... It's a million different stories. Well, but they all, they they get this big smile on their face. Yes, yes. Just there's something about Joe. He was this... He was was, was special. He was was like, it it was like he came from somewhere else, man. He was a very brilliant guy. He was so brilliant. Because everybody called him crazy. Mm. You know, a lot of people said that about him. You know, that's been on for years, you know. Right, right. But a lot but of times when you're brilliant, brilliant, you're right on the edge oh, of, of being Of course, little, of right. course. That's all, you know, that's been going on since history. Right. But he was, I've never, ever, I mean, Max Roach and all of us, we always, you know, Max Roach idolized him. And Buddy Rich even idolized Joe Jones. Everybody idolized him, didn't and they? You know I mean, what? anybody I've and ever that, talked to. It was, he, could, he did things on the drum so different than anyone i ever seen. Really? Yeah. Now that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. In what way? Just musically, rhythmically? Musically, musically. And his approach to playing just one, two, three, four was completely different than anyone else. You know, it was just amazing. He had more ideas on the drum than anyone. You know, you know that's this thing that uh, Max Rose started doing with the, just with his sock symbol. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He just made the sock symbol well, where he, you know where he got that from? From Joe. Yeah, but Joe Jones did it in Central Park once. There was a whole thing with all drummers. I mean, all drummers like like you know Mel Lewis and Art Blakey and uh, it must have been about seven or eight drummers, and Joe Jones was the last one. So he comes walking out. I mean, for somebody to have this much nerve, first of all, <laughs> he comes walking out onto the stage with with his socks on. And walks down to the front, sits down, stands it out there, and then stands up and takes brushes out of his pocket in in Central Park. (laughs) 
and played a brush solo just on that. Oh, man. And the people stood up and roared. (laughs) I mean, that was amazing. Max wrote, say, I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I love that. He said, that rascal, I couldn't couldn't believe he did that. I I always remember because I didn't see it because I took his place when he used to do things. I, like I would go if he had a job that he had had for a long time with somebody, then and if he would get one of the jobs like that where he wanted to really be there, then he would send me on his job. So he sent me on a job that he had with Tyree Glenn. So, so I you didn't weren't see, there. I weren't Aww. there. But the, I, we went on. A, it was a festival time, and I, went on, I was on the Staten Island ferry. Soon as I got off that ferry boat, that's the first thing I heard. <laughs> Did you hear what Joe Jones did in Central Park? And I'll never forget that. It was like, must have been around a Sunday or it was a weekend. And so Monday night, that's when Mel Lewis and Thad just had started that band down there. And I went down there and I said, Mel, what did Joe Jones? He said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, didn't they, I'm thinking about Joe and Basie and but, oh, that was Freddie just, and all those guys. That rhythm section was like, it was just like playing, everybody says like, it was like the wind. Yeah. It, just, it was as smooth as the wind. on how you approach the music, but also how you approach presenting it. Because as you're telling me this story about Joe, I'm thinking That's of That's what him. he was, a presenter. That's what he knew. That was his whole thing. No, I'm thinking Harold Jones, another drummer, yeah, he's a nice guy. Very told good me that he was with Basie mm-hmm. and they followed Dizzy Gillespie's quintet at some festival and Harold was 26 and just joined the band, or 27, just joined Basie. Yeah. And he was ready to kill. He wanted them to, you know, call Cherokee, Cherokee or something. Or something. <laughs> and because Dizzy had just ended with something like that, and he was thinking, we're really going to take him. And Basie, Basie called said, Jada or know. something. That's right. And it was the same kind of thing of walking out, as you say, that's and right. just playing with brushes. That's, that's right. Absolutely. Just smarter than everyone else. Well, all those guys, <laughs> they had that... that they had that thing about the musical sense, you know, that that was just amazing. Because when I first, the first time I ever saw Joe Jones, when I was in Detroit, 
and when he was playing with Count Basie, and it was a paradise theater. It was just like the Apollo. It was like theaters like that all over America. Right. What year was this? This must have been in the 50s or early 50s or late 40s. And <laughs> they got this, um, come to this, they always featured drummers then. Because the drummers could be featured. That's what I mean. These drummers knew how to play drum solos. And so they we had a tune they called Brushes. It was built on some tune. I don't know. It might have been I Got Rhythm or something. But he played with the brushes. I mean, the band was just going, shouting, and he was just doing this. And I've never seen nobody do nothing like And when he played this drum solo, you kept thinking, well, he's going to put those brushes down in a minute. But you could hear him all over this theater. And when he got finished, when I left that theater, I was like, bone, I, 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 I've been following him ever since. <laughs> I've never seen nothing like that And before. it was all brushes. All, he never all, did. Never played with stick. I yeah. was just unbelievable. Yeah. In that big theater, you know, you would think, you would think we'd be scared to do that. Mm. <laughs> you know that? And it just... It was just like, and, and it was quiet, it was so quiet, and that theater was quietism. He had you hypnotized. Well, and it's confidence in the music, too. I'm thinking they don't have to have, they didn't have to have histrionics and showbiz. <laughs> right, because it was so musical. Was, that's right. That's, that's what's wrong with the drummers. When, that's why it's never be another good big, big band. Because if you, they write, they write all, the drummer plays every little nuance in the band. Those are, if you listen to any of those big band records from the early drummer, the drummers didn't do that. They helped that band. They kept that band floating, you know. But these guys now they hit every lick and then play five thousand notes before they play the next lick. Yeah, yeah. What's your what's your favorite ensemble to play with? If you can. Put a band together right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm playing with one who's I'm playing doing a concert tomorrow with them. It's the Earl May Quartet. Yeah, Earl May, Dave Glasser, and a young piano player named uh, Larry Ham. Oh, we, I know Larry. We have the greatest camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It, it's the closest thing I've ever played with to the thing I played with Coleman Hawkins and them. Oh, how wonderful! The feeling mm-hmm. of the music. I ain't talking about what we play, but the feeling of the music. That's what it's all about. Mm. I yeah. mean, we're, it's amazing when we play together.
So you just recorded that album? It just came out. Oh, that's great. That's but, great. I mean, it's it's one of those things we just when we it wasn't a group that's like we didn't say we, nobody went out and got we someone to put this we're gonna get this guy and put we wouldn't put together like that. it just kind of happened. And and it's it's so it's so beautiful when you play when you don't have all those things, other stuff going on beside the music, you know. Well, that's like any great relationship. Thank you. It just happens. And I'm thinking, I remember my great thrill right before you and I met that I did a recording with Freddie Green and Harold Jones and Red Calendar and Marshall Royal. And I was so young. You had to be. I was 26. Because when I met you, how old were you then? Like 26. I just met you right after that, 27. So I had just done this recording. And what I'm thinking about is I remember it was my first recording. So I was so scared. I knew it was good, but I was almost in shock. And I remember we walked out and Red Calendar said, you're not old enough to appreciate how good this was. (laughs) And it was that kind of thing because he saw this sort of stunned look on my face. (laughs) I had just gotten through it because I was so scared. But also it was one of those moments. Now, obviously, it's great players. All those guys that played together were all wonderful. But he was saying, this is a special day. You will realize (laughs) this later. And I just thought, well, they all play great. And I was lucky to get to play with them, which was all true. (laughs) But... There was something else there, too, that was special. I look back on that, and in some the ways that'll people. probably always be my favorite recording. Of course, of course. Because it was just, it all just worked. He yeah. did, I still remember he looked at me and said, you won't appreciate this until you're 30. Because <laughs> I was so young. <laughs> that's right. But I mean, it says, that, but don't, that, but the, you know, the music is always, always a reflection of our society. And our society has changed so much, too. Because it's not only just in jazz. I know a lot of classical players and I talk to. They tell me the same thing. This happened in their music. And why is it happening? People got all this technique. People have absorbed with technical, technical, technical stuff. You know, it's just in our genes now. You got two generations of people now, most of us raised with computers. So it's all very intellectual. Yes. That were, um, they don't know how to let the music breathe, you know, mm. the air. All the, all the bass players that I play with always tell me, I mean, everyone I play with, they always say, man, it's so much air in that beat, man. I got all that space to play in, mm. you know. People are afraid of space. I know that. They're afraid of space and they're afraid of quiet. In life. life. In life. Yeah. That's right. I Brush, think a lot and the of brushes times. is just a lost art. Yeah. And Joe Jones was the king of those. He was. I love your brush work. Well, that's where I got it from. That's yeah. where everybody loves my brush work. I'm not going to tell you his name, but a great guy, someone great. I mean, it's like, um, I don't want to say his name because I don't know what I wouldn't say it because he's not to put it on the air. He called me for a drum lesson. This person. And he wasn't a jazz musician. He's a classical musician, percussionist. But he always said, Man, I've always admired you for many years, 20. I mean, I was really in shock 
this has just happened lately. What a wonderful compliment. He said, the, and he was talking about the brushes. He said, I'm, the way you play those brushes, he said, man, he said, I just, he said, would you give me a lesson? I'm like the fainted. <laughs> I, really? Someone's listening. That's really, nice. Really? And he said, you hit, he had a card, he said, I gave him over 20 years ago. He said, I still had the same card. I mean, this guy is really big. And he said, he still had the same card I gave him. Hmm. That was amazing. I had to sit down when I told me all of that. That's so nice. Yeah. And to know there are people out there but, listening like but that. But he said that, but it's true, they can't play brushes now. Hmm. The drummers just don't know what to do with them. They sound terrible. They sound terrible when they play them. Is no one teaching them the right way, or they're not? That's one of those kind of things you have to learn. Nobody, there's no method book for brushes. And so you just have to put the time in. You have to put the time in and watch. But they don't have nobody to watch now. And it's subtle. Me, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and it's not about being subtle now. I, I think that there are people who want it. I do because I have when I play colleges, I have them comment on my music. They comment on the space. I mean, ironically, that's what I find interesting. I'm the high energy end of what I do. When I came on the scene, it was the hyper girl playing stride piano. But college kids think my music is relaxing because compared to hip-hop, stride's a ballad. Well, I played with all the... I, I, had to, I learned how to play with stride piano players because I got a chance to play with Willie the Lion. You've got, I was going Cliff to ask Jackson, you. Cliff Jackson. Yeah. Claude Hopkins. Earl Father Hines. So, I mean, but I had to learn when I first played with Cliff Jackson. It was... I, I, I didn't know. I messed up so bad. Yeah, and, why? And took me to say, because it's a certain way a drummer has to play with a stride. Yeah. No, it was no bass. Yeah. You know, but I learned. I learned so well to when I played over to the Y one time. They had a couple stride piano players. One of them was was from Germany. You may know him, and one was from Paris. They were nice guys. One was from Germany, and one. And the, after the thing was over, they had an exhibit in that little reception room. It was a picture of Willie the Lion and Joe Jones on in that exhibition. This guy came in the dressing room. He had bought this this picture he said man you reminded me so much of joe jones he said i have to give you this i bought this to give it to you how Um, nice i I was overwhelmed you know really was that was unbelievable oh that's so nice i said well you couldn't tell me i sounded that's that's who i'm glad you said i sounded like because that's where i got it from Thank you. 
1939 recording of the Count Basie Orchestra with drummer Joe Jones, a favorite of my guest drummer Eddie Locke. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. And the clubs now, how do you feel in jazz clubs now? Because people ask me that, and you have a longer perspective Terrible. than I. I hate it. It's, jazz clubs don't have... Well, Roy Ogers was like that, too. He hated those. He told me he was playing clubs. He said, don't put that stuff on the table. Be quiet. Shh. He said, don't do that. Don't take them cards off the table when I play here. So people come in and have fun. That's what this music is about. So you think the feel is different now because they're trying to get everyone so quiet? Yeah, or? I mean, we know. Never forget one time we were playing with, I was playing with Roy. That's what I loved about those guys. They really was, they were so serious about their music that they didn't go for none of that, this quasi stuff that you hear now. So the piano player was playing, and he looked up at Roy and said, oh, man, these people, they're making so much noise. They're talking and everything, you know? And he was looking for some sympathy from Roy. <laughs> Roy looked down at him and said, you ain't playing nothing. That's why they're talking. <laughs> He's, Roy was you the best. Seen the, you should have seen the look on him. It was the greatest thing could ever happen to him. You should have saw the look on his face. <laughs> so if you play something, it'll be quiet. You ain't playing nothing. Oh, that's and, classic. But it's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, so the so the feel in the clubs has really changed oh, yeah, as well. Oh yeah, man. I tell them when you know, especially some of these guys that play you know the modern, real modern music. I said when you know where the modern music started in New York in Mittens, and that was the wildest place you ever been in. Was nobody with those cards on the table? Come on, be quiet. Nothing like that. No, 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 man. But they heard you. But it was a happy atmosphere. Mm, mm. I'm thinking back when we met and what the atmosphere was like in those clubs because well, I had it, just... Well, come, Ryan's was noisy. It, be, it was noisy, but... But, it was, but, but they paid attention. Right. Hey, hey, but that's the way it always was. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were paying attention, yeah, though. Yeah, they, they pay attention. They, they, it's, it's a, it's, it becomes a part... The music becomes a part of the social scene. That's what the nightclub is, a social scene. So you're in there... And, the guy's talking to his girl, his lady or something, and the music is going on, and it's just, you know, and it, it, it makes the music better, too. Mm, that's interesting. Do you like playing concerts, though, now? Not as much as I love playing, playing for people. Where they're right next to you. Yeah. Yeah, where you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if the clubs now have that attitude, oh, that's, it's, it's, it's then it doesn't feel as loose it's, as it's it does no, in a concert sometimes. It's it's just like that coldness. Most of the guys I hear play concert that never played what I, the way I'm talking about. I never liked them in the concert hall because the, the older guys like Roy and those guys Coleman Hawkins and Duke Ellington they carried that same stuff that they played at, from Mittens. They carried that right up on the stage with the concert hall. So they were the same. They you were did the same. enjoy them in a concert. Yeah, because they were the same. But other people you don't they enjoy. They change when they get on the concert stage. A lot of these guys, they get this attitude. It's, it's an attitude change. Do you think it's because they're nervous, or do you think no, it's that they you think, think this it's... Is their, yeah, I'm playing Carnegie 
call and fill them when they call. And it was, so they're not as loose. No, yeah, they, no, they're putting like, you know, they're making more out of it than it is. Right. <laughs> We're just playing music. <laughs> See, all the great jazz musicians, that Roy Edwards used to say all the time, but all of them felt like, there's no such thing as a jazz fan. <laughs> what does that mean? It's no such thing. They're just people, and you make them feel good. That's oh. what they used to always say. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it is, because that's true. You think, when well, you were born, they say, oh, this guy, this is a jazz fan <laughs> we have here. <laughs> Put him over in the jazz, bub- in the jazz basket. <laughs> that's perfect. Huh? That is perfect. That's perfect. I love that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to quote that. I don't care. I like that a lot. That's perfect. And thank you so much. I really feel for me personally, it's come full circle since you were one of the first people that took me under your wing when I I came to New York. I just was following Roy around. I mean, I saw he's one that brought you over there. And he knew I was be just the same enthused about it as he was. Well, that's what I mean. Because I was raised by them. So my whole feeling about what music is. Was, mm. came up all from all those people I was around. Right. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been great fun. I'll see if, it, if it's great fun. I'm going to call me up again and say, let's have a drink when you're in town. <laughs> I know you run around a lot. <laughs> oh, you're not supposed to say that on the radio? What did you say? <laughs> You've been listening to jazz drummer Eddie Locke. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. The opening music was Airmail Special from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs and to sign up for our email newsletter or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about what I'm doing in my music, visit judycarmichael.com. Special thanks to Kathleen Neal, Tom Rickenback, Stephen Linda Plotnicki, and our web magician, Megan Lewis. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons, Newman's Own, and the American Hotel, Sag Harbor, New York. Visit online at theamericanhotel.com.